There we go. I don't care what nobody says. This is the Gilded Playlist. Yeah. What's up? This is Luke. This is not our beloved Strut MC. Uh, lovers could not join us. He is busy hanging out with flamenco dancers in uh, in España, is my understanding. Um, but we'll get to him in a minute. I'm skipping past my, my MC Strut duties here. Uh, this is the Gilded Playlist. This is an overly complicated game with votes and scores and numbers and unknowable lingo. All with the not-so-hidden excuse to get together and talk about music every so often. And this week, we're reviewing the album Because of the Times by Kings of Leon, the 2007 instant classic, uh, according to some on this pod. Let's see how it's going to fare in our album of meat challenge. Before we do that, we got to meet who's hanging out. Like I mentioned, uh, no Lubs, uh, but I did pull a clip for him. So shout out to Lubs. Here we go. To Ryan Lubbers, who's starting a game with his sons. Good luck to you. Lubbers will get that joke, as will some other uh, some other listeners. Um, also, returning panelist, hot from the ATL, it's Blake. What's going on, Blake? What's up, Luke? Love being in on the joke. That one was hilarious. <laughs> uh, well played. Well played. And then, surprise, it is not me who submitted because of the times what? it is the one and only best man at my wedding ryan ando anderson what's up ando yeah eric yeah ando here listener number three Woo! excited to be on the pod what's up thank Welcome. you for joining us and bringing in the like, uh the trio yeah i'd like to say that i've, I've been gilded with uh you know, Frightened Rabbit's Modern yeah. Leper at the end of season one. I've also had the arrow in the crowd with uh, Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charm kind of life. That's <laughs> right. Well, so well. It's a right passage. Oh, yeah, man. I've done them both. I've done both. Love it. A veritable... Highs of highs. Yeah. Highs of highs, lows of lows. I got I've that right here. I've seen you at your highest high <laughs> and your lowest low. You've done it. You've done it all, Ando. Uh, and then yeah, I am playing... I was, the, I was also the killer of Kilby Girl, don't forget. So oh, yeah. I'm the, the <laughs> defender murder. of Gil, and I was <laughs> Hold on. That's right. Oh, you shouldn't have said that, man. When we're we getting off the... on a bad foot now. I was hoping, I, let's go along today, boys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that Lubs would be here so we could fully litigate this, like second yeah. for second of, of the song. Yeah. There is, there would be some, you guys have been heavily aligned and then heavily disaligned. So it is a yeah. sad occasion that uh, he wasn't here for this occasion, but we'll do the best we can. Uh, I will be doing every role available, which will be uh, producer and commish. And as well as the MC slash DJ. So, um, wish wow. me luck. Let's talk he, uh, album one. talk, boys. Um, well, yeah, I'm nothing, I'm, nothing, I'm nothing without the drops. Um, was <laughs> this album all killer, no filler? I think it's kind of already known how Ando and I fare here. So, Blake, yeah. we'll let you chime in as the not so uh, familiar yeah. with the Kings of Leon. Yeah. I could go long here, so I'll try to be short and sweet with it. Please, um, no, it please, please do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I put aside, like, if you want to tell us about your concert story, we, me and Ando will be telling some concert stories of our okay, own, so right. please, yeah, please just indulge us. Yeah. yeah. 
let's start at the beginning. All right. The year is 2004 or five, probably 2005. And we are at our very first concert going to see you two on the Vertigo tour. And I think we were in Phoenix and the lineup for the opener was the killers. And keep in mind, you know, a year or two after hot fuss. Yeah. And so even though we were just kids at the time, 10 or 11, Justin and I, you know, we were excited for the double lineup, you two and Luke, killers. we were like 12 at that point, just a, couple <laughs> years older. just a few years ahead. Yeah. And uh, last minute killers got bumped for some reason they couldn't make it and Kings of Leon stepped in. So Justin reminded me at the end of last week's episode that this was the very first live music that our little brains had ever that taken in. And wild. let me tell you, it was terrible. Wild. What? It was so bad. Now there's, there's a lot of potential reasons for that. Um, I, I saw Coldplay recently and one of their openers, it was, similarly painful and so i'm like okay you know it's hard to dial in the mm -hmm. sound when the, the arena is empty and you know there's a whole host of reasons why it was maybe bad um but you know we weren't prepared for what hit us at the time and it was prior to this album so i don't know how it stacks up against their earlier content but mm -hmm. anyways all that to say we have it's it's an uphill climb for kings of leon because the dover boys have just dunked on them relentlessly for that very poor opening um, at the U2 show. So I've, I really honestly haven't listened to much of the band outside of, you know, the, the random big singles that they've had that, that come across the radio or whatever. So yeah, all this was new to me. And like I said, a little bit Mount Everest in terms of the history of the band, mm -hmm. uh, but they come away with one slam dunk. I think I rated it a 10 out of 10 song. So wow. that's a win right there. Yeah. And with a, a more of an appreciation than I've had before, though not a love. Okay, still can't quite get over that <laughs> speed bump of the voice. Okay, but I, I've I've put a lot of my preconceived notions past me uh, through through marination. So that's that's my very long winded answer. Okay, couple so comments. It, yeah, hang on, hang on, and uh, we'll get to your questions in a second. <laughs> um, I think Lovers was at this show. Do you remember Uncle Lubs being in tow? for this it's, performance it's very possible uh, if not likely but yeah. i i can't remember we because were, i remember him we telling tiny. me oh i caught kings lee on the open for you too they were awesome so it, <laughs> it even that night you know like the difference in in generations or, or yeah. whatever was was on display and then the other thing is how nuts is it that you two is like oh either already grammy winner or eventual grammy winner the killers they're out we're gonna get soon to be Grammy winner, you know, multi-platinum artist Kings of Leon instead. Like that's their backup. That's the kind of pull right. that U2 has. They're like, oh, the killers can't make it. Don't worry. We'll get Kings of Leon. It, they're not like pulling up like, you know, some Phoenix only band. So that's, uh, that was my initial thought. And yeah, your first ever show, I mean, my yeah. first ever live show was, uh, TLC, MC Hammer and, and boys to men and TLC didn't perform because it was in Anchorage, Alaska and they're, Equipment did not make the trip in time. So it was only Boys to Men into MC Hammer. Uh, and they all have voices <laughs> of, of, of angels. So, you know, I was I was in heaven. Um, Ando, I interrupted you in your questions. So is it is it all the vocals then? Uh, or is it like, you know, because Kings of Leon are known to sort of be, you know, your true rock and roll sort of, we need to have the green M&Ms in our writer, you know, yeah. or whatever, like, you know, 
if 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 it's empty if it's an empty arena and and you know they're not getting the love like I could totally see them pouting and walking off stage. Or was it all Caleb's vocals? Mm. Uh, in terms of the show, you mean? Yeah, it was just abrasive. <laughs> like it was just <laughs> noise. Yeah, and, and not good noise, right? And obviously the vocal was part of it. Uh, again, we we might have to get Papa Dover's insight. He was a bit more right lucid in terms Attuned. of tuned brain development at the time <laughs> uh, so you know he definitely influenced our thoughts over the years but i think we were all you know recoiling a little bit like crap that wasn't what we were hoping for from our from our opener just getting slapped across the face with this wall of sound well i'm um, sure you've seen some pretty terrible openers over the years so add them to the list but yeah, funny. Yeah, we've, we've we've added to that list for sure i don't know if they would still be the worst um but it was it was an interesting first experience. Man, What's yes. funny is that that tour was like the genesis for this album because they were basically yeah up until this album like the Southern Strokes right like three yeah. minutes kind of totally. you know as much as much hair and mustaches and, and short short ditties and kind of punky stroke stuff and, and then they realized they needed to have some sound that filled the arenas a little bit more so totally. <laughs> Right. Yeah. See, they were they, they didn't they didn't quite make it there yet. Maybe the album yeah. the album we'll that Ando that. submitted, yeah, came out of this tour, right? Because yeah, two thousand three exactly. they did Youth and Young Manhood, two thousand five they did Aha Shake Heartbreak, and both of those albums are exactly what Ando said. They're just rock songs that they recorded, uh, you know, one take in the studio. Like they weren't doing any layering, mm-hmm. they weren't doing any. Uh, hey, the edge. Why don't you turn down? Uh, you know, yeah, no, they they amplifier they number to six the edge on the tour. Yeah, um, they did. sure. I'm, I'm starting to put the pieces together here. Yeah. Ando, you want to regale us with maybe your favorite? Uh, I mean, there's many concert stories for you and I, and many Kings of Leon concert stories, but any one in particular spring to mind? Well, you know, for what it's worth, as it relates to this podcast, at your bachelor party, we went and saw Kings of Leon in Las Vegas, right? And so that's what I was thinking not of. Only yeah. Were you and I there, but also. Uh, MC Strut, Mr. Lovers was there, and mm-hmm. I think Berg was there, being the tall dude who stood in front of wow. me. And yep. uh, Garbs <laughs> was there as well. So the original Whoa. crew, may- maybe even the Camille, uh, was what there. I would think, right? Yeah, cousin Jake was definitely not. No, cousin Jake had already departed us. Shout out to Jake. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh wait, I have that. Hold tight. Uh, where did it go? Oh, I hit it too far away. Anyway, yeah, and the. Another TGP alumnist, um, Young the Giant, opened up for them at that show. Ooh. Yeah, all right. I, and I feel like I, I feel like at that show, like Lovers and Berg were 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 swayed a little bit. Is that right? Is I that think so record? too. Yes, yeah. I think they were like had not yet climbed over the fence, and that show brought them around. And you yeah. know, maybe we're learning lessons were learned from the vertigo tour. Right. And now that they're headliners and they're playing Vegas and these giant open, um, amphitheaters or whatever, whatever that venue is called in Vegas. Um, yeah. So they were finally starting to bring the house down. So good yeah, job. By then. Other, other live shows, you, me and sister Kellen, who almost was on this podcast, seeing mm-hmm. them live at the Greek theater in Los Angeles, a great venue. Yes. And it was, I think shortly after this album released and, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club opened up for them, as That's I recall. Right. And yes. Yeah, that was one where like Kellen looked at me after the show and she's like, "Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard you like sing that much during the, during the show before." <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah, it was amazing, great time." Yeah, man, good times. Um, yeah, got a. We were trying to get Kel on last week, uh, didn't work out timing wise, and this week she's got big work stuff going. But my most um, 
vivid concert memory of Kings and Leons with her where somehow it was probably 2006, maybe early 2007. We found out that they were playing just this bar, not even really a music venue in Scottsdale. And you couldn't buy tickets. It wasn't on Ticketmaster. And so we showed up like two hours early and they were like, yeah, it's being put on by Camel Cigarettes and you can just go in. And so we just walked in like we were like the first people there. The bartenders were still like wow. cut, cutting the limes or whatever. <laughs> um, and so we hang out long enough for them to come on. Um, who opened Smoke for some them? Cigs. Yeah. yeah, we smoked a bunch of camels. No, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the uh, man, I'm blanking on their name. And OU and I really like them, too. They opened there. They sing a California based song. That's not the Red Hot they Chili rock. Peppers. Anyway, I'm I'm uh, I'm blanking. I'll post it in the Discord later when oh, I remember it. Oh, is it the group that did the OC theme song? No, not Rooney either. Um, or sorry, not um, that band as well. Uh, boy, I'm really showing my age here as I just can't think of anything. Um, so, so take two. Um, <laughs> Phantom Ooh. Planet, come on, let's go. Yeah, not Phantom Planet, but thank you. Good, good pull. Um, they played for. 60 70 80 people and me and kellen and i were literally front and center like awkward eye contact was being made with caleb and 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 jared and nathan at all times um and they played four songs from this album that you know debuted as far as kellen and i were concerned um and they were charmer oh yeah that was something to see live um arizona my party and on call and i remember us just going that like this whatever this album is it's gonna be freaking amazing because those songs destroyed our faces um literally destroyed our faces because the sound was like <laughs> we were not wearing earplugs and uh the the amps were were pumped to i 11, think that was the so. first show you ever saw where you, you said like my ears were still ringing like five or ten days later right I, yes and i think it was the beginning of kellen and i saw seven concerts in seven days and i think that was the <clears> first <throat> that was the first one and so i was just ruining the hearing for my seventies and on, uh, <laughs> in the course of one week. But, um, I think it was worth it. It was a really good time yeah, to hear so, charmer. So, I mean, worth it, dude, charmer. We're, we're going to talk about charmer, whether you guys like it or oh, not. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what, what a song. <laughs> okay. I think that's it from album talk, concert talk. We went long, uh, in the what intro about band talk, Luke, let's go super duper long here. Right? Like, so we're talking about the fact that you thought they were not a great band. Right. Opening for U2 in 2005. They were one of the biggest bands in the UK, and they would come back to the States and play for like 15 people. Like, they were trying like to me. figure like out me and why. Colin. Yeah. 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 And they were trying to figure out why. But also, like, they grew up. Do you know the backstory here, Blake? Would it be helpful? Would this help in any way? I, I know nothing about the band. Oh, yeah. They, they got oh. a good story. Yeah. Go, Ando. Well, effectively, the, their dad was a Pentecostal traveling minister who would basically travel around the Southern United States and uh, hold these, you know, sort of revivals where people would get converted and baptized and the like. And uh, he brought his sons and his wife around uh, with him across the Southern United States. And he was like uh, kind of a drunken pastor that uh, <laughs> maybe uh, experimented with some of the, the women uh, that he would, was preaching to uh, at, after the, uh, the sermons and the like. But he uh, he brought them around and sort of used uh, the current lead singer and drummer uh, Caleb and Nathan as his sort of free music uh, while he was you know preaching his fire and brimstone sermons, mm-hmm. and that ultimately led them to to join a band and start a band with uh, their brother uh, or Jared, 
and their cousin Matthew. So it's three brothers and a cousin. But interestingly, they did not grow up listening to music because their parents would not let them. And so, like, <laughs> once they become this, like, professional band, like, they started discovering, like, all this music. And they, they'll make jokes that, like, even as they were touring around the UK after their first album, which they basically, like, sort of were still learning how to play their instruments and learning how to play as a band together in 2003, four years before this, they, were, they like, were just for the first time in their lives hearing things like the Beatles. So, yeah. Uh, that's wild. Wow. And Very then cool. part of the reason why they toured in Europe as much as they did when they first started is because Matthew, the lead guitarist, was like 17 at the time. Like he wasn't even old enough to drink in London. And he was like playing shows and touring around with Kings Leon. Um, and Ando was not kidding when he said that they were learning how to play. Like they, you know, Matt was like, oh yeah, this is a G chord. I mean, they, they, Matt was like, I want to be in the band. And so he learned how to play lead guitar. And so that's why you might see these guys put out albums in 2003, 2005, 2007 is when Because of the Times came out, 2008, 2010, 2013. I mean, these guys put out six albums in 10 years. They were just machines. And I think that they actually got better at being musicians, not just songwriting and all that over the course of those, those 10 years. And yeah, still the case that they were just huge selling out, you know, giant theaters in, in Europe. And then they'd fly home, you know, on Delta and nobody gave a shit. <laughs> so it was a really well, weird was, existence for them, but now they've, their U S fandom has finally kind of caught up to, to what they initially found in Europe. Yeah. All they had to do was write a song called sex on fire. Right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> so no, yeah. But the other thing related to that is that they lived such a sort of cloistered, you know, existence growing up couldn't yeah. listen to music, had to study the Bible that like basically once they were set free of their parents, it was like sex, drugs and alcohol and rock and roll. Right. And so All like, yes, even on this album, like I have so much trouble thematically and lyrically with the <laughs> yes. content here. Like it's all about <laughs> fighting. There's oh, so and the songs, stuff, the songs right? they were but singing to like, you, Blake, yeah. when you saw them open for you too, all those songs are about yeah. drugs and sex. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure my, that, was, that probably contributed to Papa Dover's reaction as well. <laughs> right. He's got his yeah. like, eleven he's and ears. boys, and he's like, "Oh my god, man! I thought we were going to U two and and Killers, you know, which kind of relatively keep it down the line." Yeah, um, I obviously can't remember that, but that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, quite the backstory. It uh, they're wonderful. Yeah, Hello. it's good. It's good data. Good to know. Yeah, you gonna right. go back and rate them all tens now? Come on, Blake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm quick, working on it right now. I'm in Google Forms. Quick resubmit of the of the, of the, uh, the form. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, with that said, we're gonna count down the top five. It's actually top six due to a tie. Songs. Wait, can I also can I oh, also yeah, just say, Luke? All right. So NME rated this the number six album of 2007 and said oh. it cemented Kings of Leon as one of the greatest American bands of our lifetime. Ow. Suck it. That's what I got to say to tell all you haters out there all right. about that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Not to use Kings of Leon friendly terminology there, but uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love them. I, I love them so much. I, yeah. I, I was listening to Youth and Young Manhood, I mean, pretty close to after it came out. And then it was right before Aha Shake Heartbreak came out. And man, what a glorious 2004 to 2010. Uh, was just a hell of a time. I mean, I was listening to a ton of music at the time and it helps that one of your favorite bands releases five albums in that run. So hard to beat. That's awesome. Okay. Should we get down to it? Do it. it. 
Okay, we are into song talk. Tied for number five. It is a rock song, McFearless. Yeah. Get the drummer some. Uh, McFearless <laughs> coming in with a 6.8 average score. Um, oh, no. And that put it tied for number five. This song got a 10 from me, an eight from Ando, and a two only from oh, Hot Takes Ben. We'll save his comments <laughs> for later. Uh, Blake. Wait, wait, you, you hold on, real quick. Did yeah, Papa Dover vote on anything or did he truly? He did abstain? not. He truly received zeros across the he board. Just, oh, yeah, okay. he, he would have gone. <laughs> trash uh up, up one through 13 apparently. okay so, roger that yeah. you gotta you gotta represent the dover clan uh you came in somewhere in the middle tell me your thoughts on yeah, McFearless I, if you have oh, any. i had i i saved my votes so i need to pull those up i'm literally doing nothing here to, to pull my weight on the podcast sorry Luke. Um, <laughs> i'm sorry this was this was on my top five list i think nice. i think at number five uh, my my thoughts were you mentioned it luke Awesome drumming. I'm always here for some good drumming. Such and I think the way they Sorry. open it up. And, Could oh, I cut you off there? Like, yeah. I literally want to know your thoughts, right? Because this drumming historically has sort of blown my mind, but it's probably not as complicated as they think it is. But like, you're a drummer. So talk, uh, talk to me about that. I mean, it's not, cra- it's not crazy, but it's, it's yeah. energetic, you know? Um, yeah. And it is a unique, uh, it's a unique setup, which I think is cool. It's not a traditional beat that he lays down for the first minute or whatever it's kind of like um just a feeling if you will but i i really like the way that when the chorus opens up kind of has a really nice like restrained snare hit pattern so mm-hmm. i i lock into that and and i think also for this song the vocal again we'll we'll get into this but it doesn't doesn't turn me away i think he hits the high notes and they're compelling enough for me to be on board. And so, yeah, it's a fun, fun track. And it was, like I said, one of, one of my top five. So I'm glad it's got some representation here. Hell yeah. Ando, I know you're a lover of the song. Tell me why. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do love sort of the, 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 the frantic drums there. Um, I, I guess I would say thematically, like we sort of touched on a couple of these, but I'm not going to have like a ton of deep thoughts here per se. <laughs> it's generally speaking, like there's a lot of great moments. If you see these guys live, I mean, this album was made for sort of arena and stadium rock and you can feel it in almost every song that they want to have this like crescendo moment where the crowd is either singing back to them or, or, mm-hmm. or the crowd is really getting into it or the like. And then, you know, there's just silly lyrical themes and braggadocio and things like that. So I don't really have, time to say other than like it's just a fun song to see live and i love the drumming at the start and uh i will i will say that between the three of us luke ando and kellen uh it's my show i must go kind of became a little bit of a personal anthem (laughs) over the years so Mm -hmm. yeah that that holds that holds close to my heart yeah yeah i mean the baseline plus the drums nathan and jared just at the peak of their game i mean ando and i've told stories about how 
they'll sit around when they're re- recording or writing an album and apparently Jared, the, the bass guy will just start playing something and he'll just play it over and over again until finally everybody agrees to write a song about around it. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I don't think this is necessarily one of those, but I just love yeah. that story about Kings of Leon in terms of them being, you know, a, a family and kind of annoying each other, but in the process making potentially Grammy winning music, you know, um, it, it's, it's a heck of a relationship. Uh, yeah, Blake, you called out the chorus. Uh, it just, I mean, if they weren't already blowing your face off, they're, they're doing that here. towards the end there is when you start to hear there's some backup vocals and that's what Ando was talking about matt and jared usually sing backup but you know there's definitely some points for the crowd to sing along um as they go the uh the verse melody on this uh, you know i'm sure this is another one that you know blake or brent that you know you probably hate the way this is sung but for me this is some great stuff from caleb you know Ando and i were talking pre-show about how caleb is far from Bono or Harry Styles or whoever in terms of being a traditional vocalist. But I think the, the energy, you know, the non-traditional stuff that the way that Nathan sings, if you can sink into it, it's just amazing stuff. And here's just, you know, a piece of the verse leading into the chorus from the, the second verse. And catnip for me is that brilliant lead in from the verse straight into the chorus. I mean, the way that he's, it just, it doesn't even sound like they're about to make the transition and then suddenly you're into it. Yeah, um, that is good. The energy of that is so good. And then one more time, let's, let's get the drummer song. comes back i still still get the goosebumps uh yeah, and when i have also shared a lot of time uh running as weird as that might sound we yeah. we, we both jog Ooh, and good uh, bpm yeah talk Great. about a bpm energy <laughs> uh song man just the best so i, I was happy to see mcfearless make it into the top five um all right next up five not exactly the rockiest of songs, but also tied for fifth. This is Ragu. I would say if you're ever gonna, you know, float down a lazy river to a Kings of Leon song, <laughs> this one, this one's probably up there. Um, this one had Blake, Ben and Ando being the champions of Ragu with eights and sevens respectively. So sounds like Blake, this was another top fiver from you. Yeah. So far, so good. I'm feeling aligned with the group, which is great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Really dig the vibe they set up here. Love the, I mean, of course, belay guitar. So maybe they picked this one up when they were touring with you too. Yeah. And again, yeah, really kind of unique drum beat baseline it's just a a groovy song i i like the the lazy river call out i could see that 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's again, I, I think, and you mentioned maybe not going super deep on the meanings or lyrics. Mm-hmm. I'm notoriously not a lyrics guy, so I basically mm-hmm. never pay attention to the words that are coming out of people's mouths. Yeah, I have no idea what the they, song is about either. And I've and, unless to they grab me. And so <laughs> my notes were basically, you know, great, great song, really, really good vibe. And then it's like, hold on, what about pants being down? <laughs> Cut, caught you with your pants down? Well, it just comes out yeah. of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. and you're kind of not even paying attention. You're like, all right, sure. And then also I'm like, isn't ragu freaking spaghetti sauce or something? What, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, So uh, I think it is. Again, putting all that aside, it, you know, I, I was able to lock into the music and enjoy it. So it was uh, it was on my top five list as well. Yeah, and, ragu. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I rated it an eight because I guess I just sort of like the vibe more than anything else. It honestly is probably more filler than killer for me. And but nonetheless, um, ragu for what it's worth is a is a sort of family uh, word that they made up back in the day, which is sort of just like something make believe. Like they had to Nathan and, and Caleb had to find some way to you know entertain themselves in between. Uh, you know, these Pentecostal uh, rap revivals, and they basically just kept saying ragu to each other for whatever reason, <laughs> and it was basically like make-believe is what they were kind of going after. So I don't even know what the song's about. It right. doesn't matter, but it, it's kind of, you know, a good vibe, as everyone's saying. Hey, random yeah. question. Do they... Are they now estranged from this weird parental situation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely they are. Yeah. yeah. The, the I mean, father, I would assume so. <laughs> the father... The father and the mother divorced, and after the father, the father was caught cheating, you know, multiple times. Right. And, right. And, uh, I think the father died a couple of years back or a decade or so. Does that sound right, Luke? Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah. if we hadn't already say it, the the Leon uh, that ties them all together is their grandfather. So even though there's yeah. three brothers and one cousin, they are the kings of of Leon, which was the first name of their grandpa, who apparently they liked a little bit more than their dad uh, is what it came okay. down to. Right. So that all, I think that all checks out. I think they still have like, you know, some, some 801 positive biblical, you know, love and word crosses and all that jazz, but you know, uh, they definitely have had their times where they're talking about the the stuff on this album, if you know what I mean, or they're Uh living through living out the stuff on this album. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In fact, other, uh, random Kings and Leon peppering facts throughout this, uh, they have a documentary slash, you know, concert DVD or DVD, whatever, whatever format you might like to get it in these days, kids, um, called Tallahina sky. It's, uh, it's the name of, you know, one of the mountain ranges or whatever that they used to live by and totally worth watching whether you like the music or not. Like their family dynamic is, is awesome. And also like kind of like oasis at times, you know, where like Nathan is the elder, he's the oldest one. And, you know, Caleb, I guess, was like getting too big for his britches at one point. And one of the big parts I remember from the documentary is Nathan being like, yeah, you're not special just because you're the guy that sings the lyrics. You know, like he just fully puts Caleb in his place. He's like, hey, look, <laughs> look here, lead singer. Just because you stand in the middle and you sing a lot of the song doesn't mean that you're super special, you know? And and Caleb is like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like he, he totally like snaps out of it after that. It's pretty great. So, um yeah, a lot of, well, just a lot of history to find with these guys, much like any band you love, right? You could probably dig in and find it. So um, I think the chorus, the Call Me With Your Pants Down, is actually the weakest part of the song, but here's a little bit of that. Yeah. 
driving around listening to this in the car yesterday with Nat. She was like, what? Caught him with his pants down? So, yeah, it's a, it is a lyric that catches even the most casual listener yeah. i mean it's it's effective in that yeah. in that nature so, so props props uh the part that i think is the best about is the song is from two minutes on is kind of the long fade out slash outro where they just kind of start mm-hmm. li- li- or, um building you know and kind of just layering different vocals on top of each other Yeah, pretty good times there. So I can see how the vibe just uh, caught everybody the right way on uh, ragu, which means make believe yeah. or some other nonsense yeah. word. Yeah, uh, and I guess that's a, that's a good clip you played there, Luke, because that that hit on something you're talking about before, which is really the rhythm section of the band is it's the lead singer and the drummer. So Caleb plays rhythm guitar, but he basically ends up playing it like you know the same melody throughout the entire song and he allows jared the bass player to kind of just solo the whole freaking time for as long as he wants and jared was definitely doing it right there yep totally no it's a great little little outro and man such a different vibe from mcfearless and uh you know charmer and other songs on the album so these guys got some range so far for the number four best Mm. song on because of the times Four. four It's another similar vibe song. It's True Love Way. This one came in with a 7.2 average score. Uh, it never scored better than an eight, never worse than a six among all the voters. So that put oh, it at number four. It is a uh, just a straight up easygoing jam as far as I'm concerned. Everybody likes this one. Um, Ando, why don't we start with you? Give us your thoughts on True Love Way. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you say that, Luke, because I basically just, I've always sort of pictured the song as like a 50s doo-wop song in some ways, certainly thematically. It's like a very simple love song. It's almost sweet at times. It feels like he's talking about unrequited love. It's it's almost simple in both lyrical and musical content. So, it, you know, certainly mm-hmm. pleasing to the ear. Um, I've always liked the line at the beginning there. I want in like a substitute, you know, you're waiting for a girl who's got another boyfriend. But <laughs> right. nonetheless, I'm always thinking about, you know, professional wrestling and tagging in and like that i've always just like the visual of that so yeah tag in yeah nice yeah. where did this one land for you blake i think i was on on the six okay. by the scale so lower but not in in the dumps and yeah I, I don't have a whole lot of strong feelings about it there is a song earlier in the album that kind of caught my attention i think this was in in the segment of the album where i, I would kind of just start to tune out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the outro. I think the outro is sweet. There's, yeah, there's a pretty awesome ripping solo happening. Yeah. Yes. And so that I think is enough for it to kind of cross the threshold for me. So yeah, I don't have a lot of strong feelings, but it's not bad and yeah. it's not great, but it's, it's good. Fair. Yeah. This is kind of in the Valley of the album. This is track seven. And then after this is Ragu. And then after that is fans, which, um, 
we'll get to that one later, but I mean, that's a song that's like huge on Spotify and one of their giant concert hits that I don't even really care for all that much. So yeah, we're definitely in kind of song the talk. of, uh, yeah, song talk of maybe some, you know, some of the easier going part of the album. Um, but yeah, I Where's mean, the the, the, Where's the, the, <laughs> the Bring you're, back. you're talking to really him doing God knows what Dave, where are you? What are you doing? That's more important than this. Come on. He, he Come was on. watching, uh, I know he was watching some soccer earlier, maybe some F1. Yeah. We, we, we keep on, up you can watch soccer and F1 while you're commissioning. <laughs> this stuff. Come on. Uh, um, and, and for that matter, Garbs and Berg, what's going on? Yeah. Just not right. Days, right. Bring them back. Everybody's, yeah, that's true. We, we do need a big reunion here. Maybe, uh, Maybe season five. We'll see. Um, I love when they work uh, the name of the song just into a random lyric in the verse that it's not in the chorus. And this song is one that definitely does that. Here's from around 117. And for me, like that vocal melody and the way that Caleb sings that, I mean, I guess that's it. If you're, if you're just, you're never going to come around in Caleb's voice, then there's no hope for you. But I mean, he sings that song in a very, I think unique and good and pleasing way, you know? And, and it's, uh, it's interesting to hear that there's still just major hangups with Caleb's voice. But I, I think that is a, a, a decent vocal side of things. Um, a little bit of the chorus right about here. got the doo-wop oh oh oh's going back there uh and yeah. i totally agree with you there and then yeah total change of of uh of venue here uh the rip and solo comes in at around 245 well done matt far as tone hunting goes blake that's that's some pretty good stuff right there yeah yeah i was gonna say whenever it came up i guess now is a good time one of my favorite <laughs> parts of the album is is the guitar sound that they capture yeah. love me some good distortion love me some good reverb uh the occasional delay the occasional kind of whammy octave pedal mm-hmm. like they're they're checking the boxes that i like to be checked with yeah <laughs> with my guitar well, tones and so and- i I, that was kind of the thing that surprised me the most because, again, I don't know if you get a lot of that stuff in the radio hits, at least the ones I've listened to. Nope. So it was it was a bit more in your face on, on this album, which was which is great. I was like, all right, if if there's anything I can I can hang on to, it's it's the ripping guitar sound and how they captured it. So um, yeah, that, that was probably the the thing I enjoyed the most about the marination over the over the last few weeks. Yeah, and Blake, if you were to go back to 2003 and subject yourself to youth and young manhood, like, <laughs> like it's southern twang guitar like, at best in terms of the kinds of tone that Matt is getting from his guitar at that point in his life. I mean, it really is wild to just see them 
just develop as musicians and, and figure this stuff out literally as they're writing and recording albums and, and touring. So, yeah. Well, they certainly uh, had, I'm sure they had a higher budget, right? And so, like, yeah. you know, the product, oh, yeah. I always, we always used to laugh at our, like, old acoustic dudes that, like, suddenly had enough money for pedals on the second yes. tour and, like, <laughs> right. you know, and then in yeah. the third album, they had, you know, and God forbid, you know, uh, some drums or, you know, an electric guitar or whatnot. Right. I mean, I, it feels like there's a little bit of this happening here. There's some real production here. Yeah, they probably finally were stepping up in terms of yeah, where they were yeah. being recorded and who was producing them and all that good stuff. So, yeah, yeah. All right, well, coming into the third overall track because of the times. Three. One that's near and dear to Ando and I's heart. It's my party. <laughs> Talk about a baseline. Uh, Just let it play, Luke. Let it keep going. Come on. <laughs> this one time. scored a 7.4 average score. It got a 10 from me, a 9 from Ando, a 5 from Blake, a 6 from Ben. So, Blake, you're bringing up, you're bringing up the rear on this one. You are not a fan of uh, the party. She is not I, at your party. Can I change, say. Can I change yeah. my vote to 14, Luke? <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I was a six on this one. I've got, I've okay. got the receipts. Um, got but yeah, I kind of similar thoughts to to True Love Way. Honestly, it didn't really blow my skirt up as as Hot Takes Ben says. And gosh, yeah, I, I honestly really don't have much to say. I would love to hear why this of all songs on the album elicits a ten because um, I think there's stronger much stronger tracks out there. So why, why is this one such a banger, Luke? Uh, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. For me, it's a... I gave it a, uh, a 10! A 10! A f- 10! Uh, the energy of this song, the 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 reverb or the effect that, that Nathan puts on his bass, or sorry, that Jared puts on his bass on this song, that, I mean, like, just the, the feel of that. And I used to listen to this album a lot during the days when I would be driving often from tucson to phoenix or phoenix to la or whatever it was and man this song freaking plays um in the car i also dig the weird vocal effect that you know they put on on jared um talking about coming of age and you know it just sounds like one of those super braggadocious songs i mean here's a piece of the verse that i just love and then the lead up here Nothing like some good falsetto, right? The falsetto with the weird vocal effect. Side note, uh, apparently the song was written about uh, Rachel Bilson of uh, the Mm -hmm. OC fame, that she was uh, at a party that uh, it was like, it was... Uh, Caleb's birthday party and somehow Rachel Bilson showed up and he was still starstruck enough to be uh, you know kind of wowed by that um, so that was why this song uh, was written uh, Blake do you know who Rachel Bilson is? 
it's going to be a negative. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess <laughs> if you watch the OC, then that's it. Yeah, you were nothing. too I got nothing. That. Yeah, you got no Dawson's Creek. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't know what the CW is. That's amazing. Um, what a world. Uh, the solo around 207 also just, I mean, it just brings it. This is another BPM running song, too, that just did the trick back in the day. Yeah. Just that little extra he puts on party. I remember hearing that, like, I mean, he peaks it, right? He's just like, let's go for the full, um, you know, reverb or uh, feedback of the guitar. And I was like, that's brilliant. I love that. Like, I was just in the time of my life where I was like, yes, make make this guitar solo as dirty as you possibly can. Um, <laughs> and then finally, I can it for me is always a break it down and a comeback. And man, this song has one of those. They go full cowbell into the relayer and just the full mm, laid yes. on yeah. energy at the end. Here's some cowbell for you. Uh, just the, the off mic falsetto. Uh. Bring, bring back the bass. Bring back the drums. Just a little easy. More. More tempo. All the way. Yeah, that was that was a song that would improve your your uh, your mile pace. Uh, you know, <laughs> running running through the the streets of Tucson. So, um, all right, just a personal favorite. Just came along at the right right time in my life. Um, Ando, I know we both share some love. Anything else to add on that one? Yeah, I just want to say great clips there, producer, commissioner, okay. MC Luke. Definitely. You're welcome. Definitely, definitely another another one where Jared really shines. Like it's it's yes. really fun to listen to him just go nuts on the bass throughout the whole song, and you know, repeating on the theme there of you know, a great song live. You know, between the singing of the high falsetto ooh and the you know, loving the build at the end that you basically just played there. And, you know, of course I'm also a sucker for a song where it ends on a hard stop drum beat. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> that happens here. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know exactly how the song ends as silly yeah. as that sounds. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a great one live. It's also fun too, because I have no idea what he's saying. And if you look online, like no one, <laughs> no one does either. She stole my party. She's at my party. Summer party. What is <laughs> hey, it? That's good. I'm I, glad that it's, yeah. it's kind of universally shared thought yeah. that, people are clueless no whatever you want no you know all right yeah, yeah. some sort some something, sort of party something party yeah well okay. you, were, you were selling me a bit on the clips luke i yeah i can see i can see it like imagine if opal skies gave us that right <laughs> you'd be like holy shit this is really you know, good there are some opal skies kind oh, of vibes I, happening i there. think vice versa I, yeah. yeah i think opal skies have listened to some KOL oh of course yeah, yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah. but so. uh yeah no good follow-up yeah i I just got to say one more thing too. This definitely has, I think their most highly braggadocious uh, lyric of all time, which is 
you're talking about my baby. I could flip you upside down and I could mop this place. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so literal ridiculous. bar fight shenanigan yeah. bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Ridiculous. But, like, you yeah. can totally see him saying that, doing it, being involved in that, getting his yes. ass kicked, like whatever. Totally. Yeah. You could see yeah. him, right. Being at some dive bar in Liverpool, you know, at 3 a.m. and somebody says something to him that he doesn't like and he turns around. Yeah. He's like, you know who I am? Caleb. <laughs> um, they're like, oh, we don't know. We don't know who you are. Um, <laughs> Nice okay <laughs> yeah whoa bring it well I, I spent some time in liverpool recently so I got, I got you know full immersion so yeah all right down to the final two the second best track two we've already heard a little bit of this one it's knocked up let me jump ahead here This song coming in with a final score of a nine, an average wow. score of nine, wow. three, three tens, three perfect tens from, from Billy Bob on this one. Uh, and it, some eights, some sevens in there to round it out. So doing uh, justice to what wasn't done during season two of TGP when I submitted this song as a solo submit and it got uh, a fork. Arcade was a nah. Everybody else was in on it. Um I mean, the, the cojones to put a seven minute, like rambling studio yeah. session track as track one on your first big album after being, you know, blessed with opening for you two during the Vertigo tour. I mean, it's just, it's such a statement in itself, just the song length and, and the type of song that it is. Also, apparently Caleb just said that lyric that opening lyric he just said it out of nowhere like they were just kind of jamming and like feeling out the song in, in the studio and that's what he sang he said i don't care what anybody says uh she's gonna have my baby <laughs> and it was like <laughs> uh what and they were just like yeah i don't know kind of works and they kept it in for the final lyrical uh set so um ando your thoughts on knocked up yeah, I, I got to say, this is like, you know, one of those moments in life for me, right? Like, I remember talking to you at one point, Luke, about uh, the famous Vince Carter uh, slam dunk uh, in mm-hmm. the uh, whatever year dunk contest where he runs up and looks like he's doing a pretty simple dunk. And then he just ends up hanging uh, by the inside of his arm, the inside of yeah. his elbow on, the, put on his, the rim. And I just yeah, heard, like elbow above the rim and you're just like, yeah. Wait. What just happened? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I remember even chatting with you about it decades later and just being like, <laughs> wow, I was effing astounded by that. Uh-huh. And like totally different feeling, but same here in that, like, I remember putting the song on and just being like, wait, what is happening? Like, this is a band that, you know, we've listened to, you've seen, I hadn't seen them yet. And like, it was all, you know, three minute little Southern rock ditties. Right. And like, you know, fun and they seem to be progressing, but I didn't think that like, this slow meandering train beat drum edge guitar effects, you know, seven minute song. That's really kind of about nothing but painting a picture was right. Was going to happen. Right. You know? And and I remember immediately like stopping it at the end of the first time I listened to it and going back and listening to it over again. Like I didn't care what was on the rest of the album because this song was on the album and uh, I, I was totally astounded by it. I did not expect it. And, you know, when you have those moments in life, like you definitely remember them and it's awesome when it happens, um, you know, musically, that's for sure. Yeah. 
it was definitely during Formative. a time when album wow. release drops were like big moments in Ando and yeah. life. Like we were like, oh, we know the next, here's dating ourselves, the next Vertical Horizon album is coming out on this exact <laughs> date, you know, and like yeah. got it as soon as we possibly could. And this was also one of those albums, right? And it's just like, wow, track one, this is this is nuts. Um, yeah, Blake, did you ever go to the Best Buy on, you know, release CD release day and like pick one out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, okay. We've, I've purchased... Well, and it's come back around too. Well, yeah, because vinyls have come into back vinyl. around, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Totally. I went to the record store last weekend. So, nice. uh, but yes, we we had our our you know we got our fair share of day one CDs, yellow card, paper walls. <laughs> Same year as this one. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Uh, um, so yeah, slightly different vibe well, between uh, yellow card different. and this and this song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I dig this one. Um, I I think the wandering is a little. It's just a little too long. Sure. Uh, I mean, I get it. I, I totally understand everything you guys are saying, and it is a, a gutsy move to put it in slot number one. And I, I do love the kind of vibe that they build. Dig the edge guitar effect and the shuffle, shuffle drum beat. Yep. I just think it kind of overstays welcome a little bit because they have the drive-in chorus, or chorus isn't the right word, whatever you want to call it, the moment mm-hmm. where they kind of break into a more traditional sound. And... I'm like, oh, okay, we're going somewhere, we're going somewhere, and then they bring it back down, and and that's it, right? Yep. Which, you know, take it or leave it for me. It didn't didn't work 100. So, I mean, I still, I think I had it as a seven or an eight. Okay. But yeah, I feel like, oh, could it could get pushed over the edge um, with a little more energy, but it didn't. And respect the choice, but um, wasn't wasn't for me as much. But still, still like it. I hear you. Yeah. So here's that more when they finally kind of drop, you know, the drums and, and bring in the heavy metal guitar for just a second. Yeah, and Blake, here's what I would say to your take it or leave it comment. I would say take it and then just bask in it. Just enjoy (laughs) that full, just laying into the kind of wandering, the, the... the Grateful Dead, like, if I do say, dare say so myself, Ooh. you know, wandering of just, hey, we're just hanging out in the studio. We're playing songs. Yeah, yeah. The, the record button is active, but, like, we're just feeling this out. You know, when when uh, Caleb starts to sing certain parts and, and Nathan kind of, like, responds with, like, a little drum hit, like, right, like right here. just letting that slide guitar just just wail in the background and, and these guys again if i hadn't said already are famous for recording not track by track but like actually just all setting up their gear in the studio and, and hitting record and, and playing you know somewhat live um and then they nice. even get more into it with the the ooos uh that come in later and just more more to love Caleb singing completely off mic like he's just feeling it oh it's so good 
should have let that should have pulled that clip for longer. So anyway, uh, happy to hear that, you know, it's fork status lives on in, in TGP and, uh, you know, grading it in relation to the album scores very highly as well. So, all right, I got a few more things there, Luke. Cause yeah, go. Big song. And also we're going, we're going long, right? We're going Three long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just to your comment there, Blake, I could certainly get how you would say that like this one goes nowhere and kind of peters out and in some ways overstays its welcome. But like I do think symbolically, if you'll allow me to go this way and get deep, it sort of is appropriate for the subject matter of the song, which is it's basically like an oh crap moment for a young couple who shouldn't be having a kid. And there's moments of explosiveness throughout the song, you know, which is symbolized by the shotgun blasts of the drumming of uh, Nathan. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, like they're going on the road together, traveling down the road, they're going to have this kid. And there's probably a bunch of those oh crap moments and they're going to have to figure it out, but it's going to ramble on and they're, you know, afraid and they're good, but they're going to figure it out. So I always sort of dug the hypothetical symbolism there. And maybe that's why the, the, the song is seven minutes and 15 seconds long. <laughs> and right. yeah, you know, I would also say like, this was like also the first instance in my head of like this being like a good live song, you know, there's like a lot of those little like touches where they want the crowd involved yeah. You know, the, the, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, they want the crowd to sing along in a big way. They want, you know, the shotgun blast drum. It's made for the lights to, you yep. know, flash on the crowd and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's right. And, Forgot about that. You know, of course, you probably saw this too, Blake. You know, Caleb is not the most like expressive front man in the world. He's not like running up and down, you know, no. the long runway like, like, uh, you know, Chris Martin or Harry Styles. He, he plants his feet and, and strums his guitar and <laughs> sings. That's basically but how it this, goes. On this one, though, he does a little ditty, right? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like we talked about that a number of times. So yeah. this is like, you know, one that it feels like the band really likes. Yeah, hell yeah. Gary completely. Yeah, freaking track one. Um, all right, are we ready to learn the best song on Because of the Times from Kings and Leon? Uh, yes, but I don't think it's going to be what I hope it is. So uh -oh. no. <laughs> Some of us are. Some of us aren't. You're, you're right, right about right. that, Blake. Here we go. One. One. Woo! Get out your lighters, everybody. <laughs> Just let it wash over you again. talk about anthem rock uh this is track 13 arizona this is uh the highest rated song on the album it scored a 9.2 average yeah three tens a nine and Ooh. a seven uh and shout out to rob for joining the voting masses this week uh you know just one of the millions um also shout out to ben uh for his you know oddly middling comments about this song he said it's an inoffensive <laughs> jam you can ignore the vocals and enjoy the guitar. That's not a ringing endorsement, but this is my number four best song on the disc. So, um, Ben, thank you as always for voting. You're totally wrong about the song, but I guess that fits <laughs> in with your typical uh, flaming garbage can takes. Um, amazing that the second best song is track one and then the best song is track 13. Uh, they, they make their way from, you know, started high Valley in the middle, uh, peak again at the end. I know this is not the, the number 10 or the 10 out of 10 for you, Blake, but, uh, it did score pretty well. And I mean, talk about an anthem, an anthem rock song. Hopefully you can imagine and picture this song being, uh, being 
very well received in large auditoriums. Yeah, if they would have dropped this when they were opening for you too, maybe we would have been on board. It'd be a totally yeah. different story. Could have debuted it. Pink to Leon yeah. super fans. No, yeah, it's this is this is a great song. I I was in in the clip, was noticing a little tambourine hit. I was like, ooh, that's some yeah. good restraint there, going for the tambourine instead of mm-hmm. the snare drum. Uh, no, it's I, I just really love everything the the guitarist in particular is doing on the song. I just think it's awesome the way that it kind of sets up that slinky little riff and he's kind of doing it in different octaves at different points throughout the song and it's super gritty and distortions and reverbs cranked to the max it's just so fun to listen to and this is i think you know i was kind of doing some marination and every now and then you're like all right i'm gonna slip this on the sonos see how it plays plays in the house and and this was like the one that i felt like i could just keep hitting the repeat button on because it just that's sets an awesome mood and so yeah glad that this is coming in at number one it's not my personal favorite but it was my second favorite for sure so uh, i i really really like this one. Oh yeah and oh as i mentioned earlier i first heard this song in arizona the song's called arizona yeah. and it is about yeah. a uh, a whorehouse of all places in arizona uh in case you didn't pick up on that uh, even the no lyrics guy like myself couldn't can't avoid that after a couple hundred spins of this song uh and oh tell us about Arizona, our beloved state and song. Yeah, I mean, this is it, Luke. And you've you've captured a lot of the reasons why. But, you know, 14 out of 10, 26 out of 10 for me. This is a, <laughs> uh, a five-star five song. iTunes Corner for me. I hope you'll take us there, too. Over 150 spins for me personally uh, on the old iPod Nano running around yes. Huntington, Huntington Beach and the like. Um, this is a, their first real ballad, as far as I'm concerned, and sort of was like, um, you know, a little bit of where they were going to go, right? You've got arena rock and you got to have that, you know, bring down where you guys can sit in the, in the crowd and have a beer with, and, and make out with your girl. And, uh, you're right. The, the subject matter is, is real 801, not debauchery. That's for sure. I mean, it was mm-hmm. Caleb and Nathan going to a brothel in either the Navajo reservation or around outside of Las Vegas and just, uh, uh, all high on all sorts of stuff and impaired and whatnot. And, uh, I guess he said that it was uh, about one beautiful gal that stood out from the crowd and, uh, you know, it kind of made him feel, you know, sad. And so there he was sitting in the desert. He always loved the desert. And he, uh, he saw this, uh, this prostitute that was uh, better looking than the others and sort of felt sad for her situation. And there was a one article that I read where he basically, they, they said like, so like, what did you do? And he said, yeah, I picked the ugly one. Um, (laughs) music you know, isn't music the best the, like this the, yeah. that story that andrew just told us about this amazing song like it's just so yeah. whack I love music it. is weird yeah music is weird yeah i mean it's just i don't know that like you said right we grew up in arizona like the the vibe that this sets of sort of desert sadness and like driving around the heat and whatnot like i i, I literally like feel it yeah and it's it's never going to change for me yep yeah, I'm with you, Ando. A six-star song on a five-star scale, uh, I scored a 12 out of 10, if I could, on the Google form. Um, and, you know, heard this song for the first time at essentially a dive bar, a dive bar just cemented in my personal history forever. Uh, I have this weird thing where certain songs and even certain, like, individual, like, 10 or 20-second spans of songs will remind me of, like, an exact latitude and longitude from when I, from my running days. And there is a very particular, like, weird like open lot in tucson that was between like a road and and the rio grande uh trail that i 
I hear the song and I am, I am there. I'm there at 6.15 in the morning and it's, you know, 45 degrees in, in December in Tucson, Arizona. And it's, it's a, it's a good memory. Um, and this, there's nothing like it. And then, you know, the, the tenderness, I guess, you know, to, to get real sappy that Caleb puts into the way that he sings about this, this whorehouse in Arizona, um, is just fantastic. Um, here's where, even when he's singing about essentially being too drunk to perform, um, it's, it's just, it somehow plucks the heartstrings. Here's from about a minute 30. drunk too i mean that's that's some some heartfelt singing songwriting right there and then there's more of that in the breakdown into the third verse where he says i kind of think i like her i kind of think i do and that was worth capturing too so here's that clip little uh little triangle for you that was good yeah switch the cowbell out for the triangle yeah little muted guitar coming in. What a crescendo. And on a song that doesn't have a chorus, right? Like they just, he sings the verses. They never said, I mean, he says Arizona is one of the verses, but it's not like there's a, he sings Arizona and over you know, the chorus. The, the chorus is that guitar riff, you know, that uh, sick riff, yeah, if you will. Yeah, exactly. That, um, that is worthy of that <laughs> title for sure. And Man, super happy to to have some alignment from the listeners. And uh, yeah, a song for iTunes Corner for me. I think I've listened to this one over 300 times. Yeah. Yeah. So worthy, <laughs> worthy of of uh, 300 spins in my book nice. and a song that I'll, I'll never skip uh, anytime it might come on. So yeah. Luke, Luke, Luke. Ando, Ando here, listener number three, lyrics guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, question up, for you. Uh, better or best Kings of Leon song lyric. I kind of think I like her. I kind of think I do here uh-huh. in Arizona or yeah. in slow night. So long. I hate her face, but enjoy the company. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, uh, uh, the former on that one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, good, good comparison. And those are the kinds of lyrics you get from one Caleb follower. Yeah. Super deep. Yep. Yes. Uh, okay. Should we get into the also rands? Cause Blake, I know there's one you want to talk yes, about. Yes, please. All right. This is the uh, Who Knows Why Mad Men Do What They Do segment. Who Knows Why Mad Men Do What They Do. (laughs) Blake, you scored this song a 10. It's a song called Black Thumbnail. Wow. I should add before I hand it over to Blake, my headphones are freaking out right now and I'm only getting the right side. And on that track, uh, it's only Caleb in the right side. And it's actually kind of awesome. Uh, it made me, made me like the song a little oh, bit ISO. more. 
Yeah. Nice. Um, this song for me is, uh, I gave it a five out of 10. I gave it like a two and a half to three star rating. Like, you know, you, you definitely spin it when you've got the album rolling. Uh, but it goes pretty hard during the chorus and you have to be yeah. in a certain mood to, to get there, uh, to quote one Huey Lewis from back to the future. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that about anything but i mean there are just times when this song just strikes me wrong even when i was marinating on it this week where i was like uh, sorry i'm hanging out on your lawn luke jeez <laughs> yeah man. hit me with a youngster yeah go go can you just play the drop can you play the chorus hit yeah here we go it. Bring in the heat. Track five. Yeah. So I'm doing my marination and I'd heard knocked up when it was previously submitted. Oh, we didn't talk about, well, maybe we'll talk about this one. We almost, the train basically derails right after that. (laughs) And then we get to this song and, you know, heading up the stage, then the freaking triplet snare hit and they just blast you with the power chords and the Mm -hmm. amazing, I will admit, vocal. I mean, the whole thing, I was like, holy crap, where did this come from? Instantly pressing the like button. I I don't even need to hear the rest of the song because I know it's going to be a banger. And it is. There's an awesome little guitar solo, simple one, kind of layered in at the end there. They hit the chorus three times and then then they bail. I'm like, whoa, yes, (laughs) I am so in. Wow. Um, I love this song. I I listen to it a bunch while marinating. So I love it. I just think they capture the energy perfectly. It's super well recorded. Um, you know, the mix is just so energetic, and every time it gets me fired up. So, yeah, this was easily my favorite on the song, uh, on the album, and I'm I'm laughing at. Uh, you know, I feel like my top songs on both this and Pearl Jam just didn't make the cut, and I'm shocked yeah. by it. Yeah, but man, anyways, how about that? I'm glad I found it uh, through through all this marination. So thank you, Ando, for the submission. Yeah, Ando, nice. you got strong feelings about Black Thumbnail. You you and I scored I mean, it in like the five ish range. Yeah, it's not it's not my favorite, but I mean, I hate to keep going back to like you know sort of the live show feel of things. Like it is a true literal headbanger when you see a live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, true. The, the band and a lot of the crowd are usually head headbanging, and it kind of has that like you know nineties rock feel to it i mean yes i I don't know it's somewhere between like 90s rock or 70s stuff like it i don't know why it always felt like there was like sailor imagery in this one too and i didn't at times that was like so like 70s you know we got camaros bar fights right talking about being sailors and seeing our wenches at at, at the at the bar there and stuff like that but yeah no it's it's uh it's it's fun and you know like the, the clip you just played there with jared's reverb on the bass and matt solo at the end i mean it's hard to argue with the, uh, you know, the artistry that's going on there, but it's, yep. it's not my favorite because it is like, you know, a moment in time, but certainly live, uh, you can, you can, you can commit yourself to really go hard at it. Man, yeah. So and interesting. here's some, you're from the diehards kind of where, where it falls. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess there's just other, yeah. Other songs we sync with more. Here's that ripping solo that certainly does rip that you were, you were talking about Blake.
on it goes from there. Just, it it yeah. goes on for a while. And yeah, freaking, they're bringing it all. You know, uh, Nathan is going full. Just play all the hi-hats you possibly can, as hard as you can. And uh, you can hear Jerry doing some pretty impressive stuff on the bass in there as well. So Another great edge lesson is that you don't need to freaking shred on a guitar solo for it to right. be a banger. Right. And just let that it, was just another reason why, why I loved it so much. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, also in the... Uh, That's why madmen do what they do. Uh, I scored a particular song much higher than your average bear, uh, <laughs> and that song is called Charmer. Yeah, it is. I'll get I'll get to it. Just remember, the first time I ever heard the song was live in person. Never heard the this song, these chords, this before, and I witnessed uh, uh, Caleb Followell actually make this sound with his mouth just over and over again into the microphone. Look, everybody, I hear you. Okay, like this is it. This is the this is the line in the sand song. The same way that I say the cojones to put knocked up as a seven minute track one, equal level of cojones to put this as track two. Right? Like you you put in that like kind of nice like easygoing wandering rambling song, and then you come in with this just straight scream rock uh, song about you know. married to the preacher oh no and you know she's she's uh such a charmer i mean there was just the right combination of man the the performance level that goes on with this song is nuts and then something about the the oh no like he really kind of gets melodramatic with it at a certain point and that always just tickled me so this is your your spin the black circle or your what was that song from 10 that most of us didn't like but ben really loved like if you sync with this song then hey you get to get some enjoyment out of something that most others will miss out on forever and i'm i get it i'm fine with that um happy for you luke that's great man just wild to have it as track two you know uh and i get it that it's only mine and and a few others to truly enjoy and uh where you come in on on charmer yeah, it definitely was not one of my favorites. Like it's, def- I mean, you talk about track one and repeating it, and then you go to track two, and you're like, "Oh, this is different." Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, but it was like apparently, you know, really influenced by they just started listening to the Pixies, right? So like a little bit more punk and kind of a post-punk song here. Yes, and you know, it was just very, very different than anything that they had done. Uh, you definitely hit on the high point of the song Luke, which is uh, married to the preacher. Oh no. And screaming that that's, yes. that's, a, that's a high point of not only the song, but potentially the album. And again, and decibels. Super fun. Yes, that too. Super fun live, right? Like you're, you've obviously got the screaming, but then you've got the, the period of time where like the whole band stops and Caleb is doing the solo electric strumming. All of a sudden Jared comes in, the band sort of follows and it's just, it's uh, it's it's really fun and has sort of turned my view around of it. I think I voted it an eight or a nine or something like that because wow. of you know sort of the marination live over time. Yep. Yeah, and yep. just one more thing, like knowing this hit and b- being able to either have it in your ears when you're running or being at a concert. And this is really good times around one twenty four. 
what a great little two second dropout, and then everybody comes back. Um, and it's hidden in among Scream Rock, <laughs> so I get it. Like it's not, it's not for everybody. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, this was cool. this was the train derailer for me. <laughs> yeah, and I get I'll it. Just leave it at that. Although, Ando, <laughs> you mentioned the. I'm so glad you mentioned this because earlier when you said kind of in the you know history of your opener bands, which ones were the bad ones? We saw the Pixies unintentionally open up for like Weezer or, or something oh, right. at, at a concert, and Jess and I looked <laughs> each other three or four songs in. We're like, "Holy crap, this is terrible!" And we were texting <laughs> loves about it. And it, anyways, I don't and know if it was like, a bad night or something, but it was uh, that that's honestly maybe replaced Kings of Leon as one of the worst opening acts, I've, <laughs> which is so sad because I know they have some good songs. Anyway, right, because they're freaking musical influence legends, <laughs> right, essentially, right? right? Like they're yeah, undeniable was, as far as just oh. weird. We were like, aren't they aren't they supposed to be like, important? <laughs> really good? Or, yeah, good? <laughs> right. Anyways, that's how it goes. Uh, okay, just, just, just oh yeah, I'll go just say too to, to to Lubs and Berg wherever you are, come back on the pod. You could join with Blake. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but in either case, like this is screamo that is worth listening to as opposed to oh, that crap yeah. you guys were trying to spin in, in season two. Right around minute two thirty. Yeah, I remember that one. I'm not going to play that clip again. Um, a <laughs> couple more tracks to discuss uh, in the uh, this portion of the show. You know what I'd rather listen to? Myself being shot in the face. Oh. The worst song on the album with a score of 5.2 uh, is a song called Trunk. And we'll just fast forward to some of Caleb's vocals, which are actually kind of all right. But yeah, the song's a snoozer. Imagine that. It's a band singing about being on the road and spending too much time in vans. <laughs> no one's ever done that before. Uh, real original stuff there, boys. Um, okay, and then the other song that we need to talk about is their number one, number two song on Spotify from this album in terms of spins, uh, which is a song called Fans. Ando, you scored this a 10. 19? Yeah, yeah. 19. Hit me yeah. with your love of of, uh, of fans. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's my second most listened to song on this album. I, I don't know why I love it as much as I do. It's probably because of that acoustic strum. Get ready next season, Blake. Tons <laughs> of backwards hat, acoustic <laughs> feeling. Come on. Let's yep. go. Uh, it's, right. it's, it's actually a song I have a real love hate relationship with. Uh, it is like, has lyrical content that like almost makes me puke. It's basically a twisted love song for their fans in the UK, but it basically yep. is like, we know that you love us. So we love you, you know? And it's just, it totally makes me puke, you know, like England yep. sings and they sure love the tales I bring. I mean, it's so ridiculous, braggadocious bravado, like whatever, but I, I just, I love the song. What can I say? Yep. Yeah. I scored this as a, as a two. Um, wow. yeah, 
I, I've never liked this song. I remember not being impressed with it when I was rolling the album, you know, when it first released. And then I remember going to see Kings of Leon at Red Rocks uh, with listener Dan, among others. And this was like the song that he called out like ahead of time that he like couldn't wait for them to play. And I was like, really? Like, I think this might've been my first time <laughs> seeing them post this album release or something like that. And then the crowd just freaking erupted during this part of the song. Doing that little shout hit, like everybody would like put their hands up in the air during that part. And that yeah. made me like the song even less. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they get into like the ELO level, like background keyboard at some point in the song around 215. Yeah. Oh, by the way, even I don't like Caleb's voice at times. And this is one of those times. Like he's you just like going little, full. You don't like the, you don't like the crack on the bop there. I no, he's going full freaking, uh, you know, the guy that works at the, at the quickie mark. Like he's, he's straight out of the Simpsons. Like, Oh, sorry, sir. And like, I didn't know it was going to be like that. <laughs> you know, like he's, it sounds like he's impersonating that. And then the freaking keyboards come in. And, uh, again, I was shocked to learn that this is such a, such a hit as far as Spotify is concerned, but I, I thought about it and am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> yeah. So that's where <laughs> I salute coming out this episode on that one. Yeah. Blake, did you have any deep thoughts about fans? A song that is literally about the band's fans. I, I really did not. This was a, no, it's, just about, five. it's about the pleasure the band gives their fans. Luke, even, even worse. Yeah. You're, <laughs> You're right, Blake. Just know that. Yeah, I was was surprised that it was the highest or almost highest spin count, and yeah, it just didn't really do anything for me. I didn't. I don't hate it, but it's not very compelling. And I agree, Trunk. I mean, this, this record's a little long, it's a little on the long side, <laughs> right. and we could, we could have lost Trunk or even Camaro, and and been a little better for it, perhaps. So maybe, anyway. maybe. Yeah, you might be right. That's so weird. Trunk wasn't on my album. That's weird. Yeah, man, that really? sounds great. Can you send that to me? Yeah, just <laughs> snip that one. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yo, the sign is real simple, B. It says wrap it up. We went long. Uh, it was a joy. Uh, here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is that Arizona at 9.2 may be the highest scoring individual song we've had during the albums of me experiment. Ah! So, got that going for you. Follow Wills. Uh, enjoy. The bad news is that the average track score across the entire album was a 6.75, which puts it easily ah. in third place among all the albums that we've reviewed. The funny thing is that the for shits and giggles vote of like, how did you feel about the overall album was a 7.6. So there's a, a point hmm. difference where everybody's like, yeah, hey, this is a pretty good album. But then when they go and they grade the individual songs, there's enough losers in there that it just brings the overall score down so yeah. it seems as bad if it could be trimmed yes there is uh some killer uh but also indeed some filler on this album you might say so i think nice. that about rounds it out greater than the sum of its parts then huh yeah some some other math saying that uh that makes sense there yeah ando it's been a pleasure can't believe it took us this long to get you your voice <laughs> your beautiful voice on the pod uh how monotone do you feel? how'd it go yeah Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, too bad we couldn't talk about Kilby Girl, but um, <laughs> let me just express my true, sincere, and deep appreciation for the pod and all the effort that you, especially Luke, put into the podcast. I, oh, I'm obviously 
a bit biased here, you know, and I'm obviously emotional in my old age, but you know, you guys are the only podcast, no matter who the host is or who the panelists are that I listen to at one time speed, which is saying something. <laughs> saying it. And also the only podcast <laughs> that I listen to every episode twice. So nice. even though, you know, we've lost Garbs, we've lost Berg, we lost Arcade, we don't have classic teams, we don't have the Kamish, <laughs> like I would just like to say keep doing what you're doing. You're millions of fans and especially me. Love you guys. Hell yeah. Thank you, Mando. I will. I will say uh, to that. I'll say yeah, that's just one man's opinion. No, I'm just. Kidding. Uh, <laughs> I will say this. Vindication. <laughs> yeah, feels good. Blake, are you going to be able to beat that? No, I really yeah. can't. But I will say that I'm. I'm glad to have finally, you know, gone deep on on Kings of Leon after hearing yes. all the rumblings over the last gosh two and a half years now of this podcast. And like I said, as someone who has a an interesting history with the band, <laughs> I I feel like I, I came around, started to round the corner a little bit. So thanks, Ando, for putting this one on the radar. A lot of homework. You have to watch all of the OC <laughs> as well, too. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. I'm taking notes. So you can understand why he was so excited about Rachel Bilson being at his party. Okay. Well, so Blake, for you, for you personally, is this song better than, or this album better than Pearl Jam 10? Uh, no. Fair. The youngsters have spoken. Yeah. Too much fat. Pearl Jam's a classic, man. Ten, 11 songs on an album called 10. Yeah, they did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, with that, it is time to begin our marination of our next album. Uh, and I'm just going to play a 17-minute clip here, and we're going to see how it goes. Oh. Talk about meat. We figured that after Brent, uh, you know, after he had to recuse himself from voting because this album was just so terrible, we'd we'd throw him a meatball of his own that he uh, submitted. That is from Octoon Baby by U2. So we'll be getting back to the old, the old comfortable, you know, well well worn love seat that is U2 among many of our listeners. So let's marinate on that. Uh, and until then, there's only one thing we got to do, and that's marinate. Marinate. Well, well, ow?